welcome. I'm Eugene Dimitri, editorial director at Robotics 24-7, and welcome to our podcast on developments in supply chain automation. Joining me today is Mark Messina, CEO for the Americas at Adverb Technologies, an India-based warehouse systems integrator and automation supplier. Mark, welcome. Can you give us a brief introduction of yourself? Hey, Eugene, thanks very much. Uh, brief intro on me, let's see, relative to robotics, I'll, I'll stick with that. Um, I've got about 20 years or so dating myself here in um, engineering operations, um, everything having to do with automating medical devices, warehouse systems, et cetera. For the last 12 years, I've been involved with warehouse automation uh, specifically. So started with Kiva Systems, um, founded by Mick Mounts, where he had the really bright idea to invert how material is moved in the warehouse instead of people following the material and finding it, uh, bring the material to the people, which is much more efficient. Um, really crazy idea at the time, and it almost didn't work, and it, it almost didn't happen. Uh, but during that time, I learned a lot about um, how to optimize these systems. And so I spent a couple of years with, with Kiva, which became Amazon Robotics, which spawned, as you know, pretty much a, an industry around warehouse automation. If, if you look at the Boston area, if you look in the Bay Area, um, even in Austin and uh, other places, you see a lot of companies that spun off from this concept. Um, and it opened up whole new avenues of, of how to make warehouses work. So I've been I've spent the last 12 years in that space. Um, in that time, I've also led um, other companies. So I started up a company for a well-known health and um, beauty supplements, uh, international company that does a lot of global distribution and open up their own Kiva type of robotic system for internal use. Uh, and most recently before Adverb, I was the COO of Geek Plus, brought them to the States. And so now I'm with Adverb. Um, Adverb, as you mentioned, is an Indian-based company. They're based out of Delhi, India, uh, where our headquarters is actually called Bot Valley. Um, we have a very large robotics factory and offices, uh, several actually throughout the area dedicated to software, manufacturing, hardware, and support. And now we've opened up offices in um, Europe, in Holland, uh, in Singapore for APAC, and in California for the States, where I'm happy to lead Adverb entering into the States. And happy to chat with you about it, so thanks. Yeah, well, no, this is really exciting. And, you know, from, as you said, Kiva Systems, now Amazon Robotics, which helped create an entire category, an entire industry, to traveling around the world, where, uh, again, uh, our audience, maybe international, but I've always had this really deep appreciation for how the talent and the creation and, and use of robots is now a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just, you know, a couple of warehouses in the U.S. or, or anywhere else. It's really becoming a, a, a very uh, almost ubiquitous uh, phenomenon. But at the same time, we wouldn't be having conversation if it was easy, if everyone had already done it then uh, there'd be no, no work, no challenge. So let's talk a little about what you've seen in terms of uh, the growth of the industry, but also some of the, the challenges that are faced because a lot of people say, oh, you know, all warehouses need to automate, all distribution centers need to automate. But at the same time, the majority still are not automated, are just beginning to bring in robots. 
And so can you describe a little bit how you see that? Because it's a market opportunity, but also means that, well, maybe it wasn't as easy as some people thought it was. Yeah, it was, um, I think up until the pandemic, most companies were pretty happy with the status quo. Uh, they saw Amazon um, kind of like take off like a rocket in terms of their ability to satisfy the customer. Um, and, and really automation is what makes that work. Not just the hardware automation, but the whole customer experience, the software behind it is what makes Amazon so unique. You know, the, the customer experience where you basically, if you think of something, it's one click and it's, it's at your door. You don't have to think about it. Even the returns process. I mean, they really have innovated in ways that have changed the whole industry. And up until the pandemic, a lot of, a lot of the industry looked at it. So we'd like to do that. We don't really know how we think they have all the IP locked up. Um, so how do we do it? And it was like, okay, let's, let's kind of pick away at this problem. We'll take a little piece here. We'll take a little piece there. Meanwhile, you know, Amazon has continued to fill out all the puzzle pieces. You know, they have their own logistics, they have ocean freight, they have an air freight network. So, and right down the last mile, they're replacing UPS and FedEx. So they have continued to just push forward at, at a pace that really nobody has kept up with. Um, the pandemic changed that a lot because no longer, you know, the, the margins and the ability to satisfy the need really taxed the standard systems, the, the old traditional heavy iron warehouses where there was very little automation or there was fixed automation that could not deal with the sudden surge brought on by the pandemic. And the question changed from, you know, do we, do we really need to invest in automation to we have no choice, which automation will it be, right? It, it was a question of this is what we need to survive because we're losing customers uh, in a way that we can't regain them once they go. So that changed a lot of the thinking about how to use capital and, and how to deploy capital to make the business run. And it turned into how to deploy capital to, to save the business. And the discussion was no longer really tell us about your automation, but tell us how fast we can get it and, and what will it do because we need to make a decision pretty quickly. Um, automation, you mentioned the word ubiquitous. I like that word. It has become ubiquitous. It's on everybody's mind. Um, and it shows up on the, you know, on the customer and the consumer end. They realize now who has automation to make systems work, to make their, their shopping process work for them. Um, and so it's, it is very interesting. And I think when we think about the age of the current automation, now we see that a lot of the technology is becoming commoditized. You can use Shopify, you can use a number of different software front ends, and there's a number of, of different competitors in the hardware space. Some of them are, you know, me too's and some of them are innovating. Um, but it's time now really to think about what's next because the landscape has changed so much where, you know, we're no longer looking at the traditional hub and spoke, but it's it's layers deeper than that. It goes, you've got the hub, the spoke, you've got a sort of a micro fulfillment center. Now we're looking at nano fulfillment centers. Um, and then of course, there's the whole other piece, which is, you know, the last mile and the network between those, those nodes and how that all works. Um, and if you go back up to the other end, as we all know from the supply chain problems, the global network is also now part of that system in a very meaningful way where most people were like, eh, you know, I, I don't know how it gets here. It just gets here. So. 
And, and Mark, you bring up an interesting point there about the relationship of you're moving not just bits uh, of data, but you're also moving physical product at the same time and then managing all that on a holistic scale. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, both as an international challenge, because we, talk, we hear a lot lately about how supply chains are snarled, and at the same time, it's also an area where technology really can help in a way that was not even conceivable before. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting players out there. Um, you know, you look at O9, they're a company out of Holland. They do AI for supply chain and, and other things. But when they apply it to supply chain, it's really, it's a very powerful tool. Um, and it's amazing the inferences that it can make and how it impacts the business. So, you know, you look at it from that perspective of using predictive models and, and global data and, and basically digesting that data to affect your business from a supply chain perspective. And then on the other side, the data within the company, right? Um, Amazon and, and companies like Amazon tend to know a lot about their customers. Um, and it's required. It's absolutely required to make your network, your fulfillment centers, your, your whole process work because if, if you think about delivering something in half an hour, it means you have to have it somewhere close by, which means you're not guessing really what your customer wants. Most of the time you need to know what they want. So applying that those predictive analytics in a way that you can move material in a meaningful way is what they're doing. And they've been doing it well for quite a while. Their, their, their A9 engine is what made that work for, I think it's more than 14 years now. Um, so they've got it down to a science. And again, it's like, how do you compete with that? So now there's bits and pieces that you can put together to make your own system like this. And, and that's where Adverb comes in um, and other companies, like I mentioned, O9 and other companies that, that have taken those puzzle pieces and are, are now making them available. Um, and you're starting to see companies put that puzzle together well, where they've taken, you know, different solutions and, and they've kind of cobbled together their own version. And I think that, that that's going to accelerate now that people have kind of cut that path. Um, it will, the adoption is going to accelerate. It will become much easier to adopt. The integration and deployment is going to be much easier. And so there's, there's going to be much more competition. I think consumers in general don't like to put all their eggs in one basket. So as much as everybody likes shopping at their, at the easiest place, they certainly want other options. And so they'll support, We I see that they support those options as they mature um, and there's more and more competition coming. So things tend to balance. And, and so those technologies come together, the balance happens. And then the next thing is, okay, how do we innovate again like McMounts did and say, what's the next, you know, I like to call it like a punctuated equilibrium. Everything is kind of balanced everything kind of comes into balance. And then at some point there's a, there's something that once again, moves the needle in a really big way. And so that's, that's what we're looking at now at Adverb. And I'm sure, of course, our other companies are looking at that as well. Well, let's talk about Adverb in particular. You mentioned, uh, you know, unique value proposition. And so, you know, since you've been at Adverb now for a little while, what would you say is, is uh, makes their approach or your approach uh, stand out when, as you said, a lot of companies are trying to get into the space at the same time right now. They're addressing this large potential total addressable market, but 
you know, no one has, uh, there's no one answer necessarily, but what, what's adverse answer? Yeah, our, our specialty is, is really being an integrator. I, I think we're recognized as a robotics company, um, but I'd like to think of us as like the Tesla of integrators. Um, you know, when Tesla came on the scene, everybody was like, there's no, even me, for the longest time, I was like, there's no way you can compete with Ford and GM and Mercedes because they can flip us. They're so huge. They can just flip a switch and they could just, you know, outdo you in a moment. But that hasn't proven to be true. And I've thought a lot about why is that? And it's because they had no momentum that they had to change, right? They started fresh. They started building with a vision and they stayed focused and there was no legacy. There was no huge organization that they had to turn the tide and convince people internally um, and convince the market that they could do it. They were, they were free of all that. Um, and I think that when I, you know, what I know about Averb and what I love about Averb is we're very nimble. We're very clean. We don't have that huge legacy that we have to deal with. When you think about the big name integrators that are our competition, you know, they have, you know, five, 8,000 people. They maybe have a couple, a couple hundred or, or more than a thousand uh, software engineers. And there's a reason for that. It's because they've done a lot of mergers and acquisitions. They've got huge departments. Um, they've got a huge hierarchy and, and bureaucracy. So when they want to change something, it's very difficult. But when you get really down to brass tacks, you know, they don't have their own hardware that they built on their own. They acquire stuff. They, they use a catalog. Um, rarely do they have their own hardware. They almost, I can't think of anybody that has their own software. And if they do, it's kind of kitted together and it's, it's been tainted by lots of other code that they've acquired that they don't really know how to make it work or how to modify it. So when it comes to modifying that code to make it do something that, you know, they might consider unorthodox or for the customer, it's kind of magic if they can make it happen. It takes a tremendous amount of effort. And in some cases, they just can't do it. I mean, if you don't know how to make the code work, it's just not cost effective. You'll focus on, you know, the big thing that you can duplicate again and again, which kills your innovation. It kills your speed. Our, our code base is built, you know, it's completely containerized. It's on modern, it's on a very modern um, tool set. So we can modify it. We built it from the ground up. So if we want to make something happen, it's very easy for us. And so that's why I think we're much more like Tesla than, than GM um, and why we're going to come up very quickly from where we are to where we're going to be. Well, and I think that, that nimbleness is an interesting because we are in a time that requires a lot of agility, right? That you have to be responsive to the customer as well as the change in market conditions. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in terms of that, that evolution or that change recently? Because there is the, I think, maturity of understanding of the need for automation, but there's also, uh, you know, whether it's the customer demand for rapid order fulfillment, you mentioned returns earlier, that's a huge area uh, uh, where automation can be very helpful. What are you seeing in terms of that, where that nimbleness really pays off? Yeah, it's the ability to, um, to put systems together in a way that they haven't been done before. So we can build a network of warehouses, right? So our software can run the full distribution from a hub all the way to the nano fulfillment center. We're the only integrator who can do that and do it quickly. Um, our software already does that. So our software is very lean. 
we do have a catalog. Um, you know, we can buy every off-the-shelf module or component that anybody else can. But our robots um, are our own, so they integrate directly. We can always adopt somebody else's if we needed to because a customer has a specific need. Um, but we have a pretty broad hardware offering. Um, you know, we've got a variety of AGVs, whether it's sorting robots or goods-to-person robots. We've got very strong AMR technology. Um, I think our AMRs are, are unique in that the they have a very mature navigation system. Um, there are some industry standards that I hold personally, and I think we compare very well to them. Um, they're, they're U.S. companies, and globally, I think the U.S. companies are the bar to, to match or beat. Uh, I think that we match them very well. We continue to innovate and we continue to develop, um, but in terms of having the navigation, you also have to have the form factor that works. And so our navigation is not only good, but we have we have form factors for the robots that others don't have. So we can work in the warehouse, we can work in a factory, um, we could work in retail. Um, so we can work amongst actual, actual consumers. So we have a pretty broad platform that's built, a, a pretty broad hardware platform that integrates seamlessly with our software. And nobody else can do that. There's no integrator there's no robot company that can do all that we can do. And that's, that's why we're positioned for the growth that, that we're going to see. And you mentioned the integration aspect. How much integration do you need to do then with existing like WMS and warehouse management systems and, uh, you know, enterprise systems or inventory? How much do you have to then interact or plug into those other systems as well? That's always on a case by case basis. Um, it depends on the system that you're, you know, the system that you're plugging into. We we do have connectors for most of the standard systems, most of the well known systems, the Manhattans, etc. Um, but you know, every so often you bump into somebody who's on AS four hundred. You know that it happens, and and you have to make a connector. You have to figure out how to make that work. Um, you know one of our strengths is the fact that we're an Indian company and India does very well with software. You know, we, and the fact that it's ours means we can make it work well, but um, our team works six days a week. Um, it's that's Indian culture and that's standard. Uh, and we can basically just kind of knock that problem down very quickly. So, so yes, you, you do integrate with, a, we do integrate with a variety and some are easier than others. Uh, but we haven't met a case that we can't, and we haven't met one that has been like a real, um, a real hurdle. You know, there are other hurdles. So like most recently, supply chain issues, other hurdles that, that we face. And as you are expanding into the North American market, uh, is there a specific set of goals or targets that you're going after? Um, of course, uh, but we're, we start... You know, we just started in January of this year. We opened our headquarters in Irvine, California. Um, so we're building out our organization and we are, we're already experiencing more demand than we expected, which is, which is great. Um, but we're also very cognizant of the fact that we won't promise anything that we can't deliver. You know, our leadership, our founders in India are very unique in that um, they came from the industry. They know capital budgets and how they work. And they know if you leave somebody hanging or, or, you know, if you commit and you can't deliver, you could be putting somebody's career at risk, not only your own reputation. 
so we're we're very careful to be um, prudent in what we quote, and so we won't take on more than we we need to. Right now, we're focused on building out the organization. We're focused on building our reputation and trust, uh, because too many of the competition have gone in and not valued that customer relationship. We know if we build that, everything else will will follow. But we know once you break that, it's it's a very hard climb to to regain it. No, and I've heard of, of cases where someone's been burned by an, an AMR deployment and they're reluctant to go with anybody else, even though the other provider might not have those issues or problems. So I think earning that trust, building that trust is very important. Well, the Kiva legacy actually um, was very damaging to the industry. You know, if, if, I don't know if you recall, but when Kiva was acquired by Amazon, they gave all their customers notice, you know, you've got basically 10 months and then you're on your own. And so I've had many discussions and, and have had to write contracts in ways that, you know, customers feel comfortable that they're going to be supported in the long run, that we're not going to be acquired and, and then just evaporate on them. And because, you know, you're building, it was, you're building, you know, maybe a hundred thousand square feet around this technology. Now you might be building several buildings that work together based on this technology. And if it's not supported, you know, what is your investment? What happened to it? Right. And so I can appreciate that. And we are, um, we're focused on addressing it and we're focused on making sure that customers are supported in the long run. And do you feel in terms of, you know, we talked a little bit about the competition, about the market, do you feel both based on your own offering, but then also on the, the size of the potential automation in the warehouse and, and supply chain space, is that something that you're not really that concerned about competition or is it something that you, you have to figure out, okay, we need to make sure that we are really specialized and that we're not dealing with other people's, you know, how, how do you feel about that, that space where there's a lot of people coming in, there's been a lot of consolidation recently, a lot of partnerships recently. Um, and so how do you establish your reputation given that sort of buzz? Yeah, we're, we're not, um, we're not jealous. Uh, you know, we're, we're happy to offer a point solution. There are customers who just need a particular technology um, where we really shine and where our value proposition is, is in the integrated space. So where we do the end to end of the whole warehouse. Uh, so we do sell point systems. We'll sell just a sorting system. We'll sell just um, a, a goods to person system. And we'll deploy that alongside somebody else's technology. It's, it's not a problem. But most, <clears throat> most often what wins the deal for us is when a customer wants to put together a complex system that integrates multiple different technologies. You know, we have, we have beyond robots that we manufacture, we manufacture conveyors, we manufacture the controllers for conveyors, we manufacture uh, voice pick systems, pick, pick to light systems. Um, you know, we, we do a lot more than anybody else does. So that's where we really kind of stand out. Uh, we're happy to compete and we compete very well on the point system, but, but nobody can compete with us when it comes to the end-to-end system. Uh, the only time that, that I think, to be completely honest, that we, we don't win is when you've got a, a very large customer who has, they put trust above price and they want to see how is the new player working in a market before they're really willing to, to invest. You know, that you, when you're dealing with 
a multi-billion dollar company that has a global network, they're, they're, they have standards that are just very high. And that's why their systems work. That's why they serve their customers well. So we understand that. And they're not going to take a bet on just anybody. So we work very hard and we've earned some of those customers. We have some very large customers like that globally now. So that's that's opening up. Those international customers are our first customers in the States. And we are um, you know, working very hard to, to bring their new distribution centers in the States. And uh, Mark, one of the other questions that, that sort of leads to, as you mentioned, obviously, the serving customers globally. Um, are you also then having to scale your support network in order to, to manage that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the company has been, let's see, we were 500 people last year. We're 600 people this year. We're going to be at least another 200 more by the end of the year because we've expanded into these new regions. Um, we're centralizing our support. So we have a 24 by seven staff support center in India that's localized. So we have local speakers 24 by seven for each region. Um, so we've had to scale and, you know, that always comes with growing pains. Um, I think, you know, in, in as, as we do that, there's been a lot of discussion, how much do we put locally and how much do we centralize, but the centralized model brings us consistency and, and that works very well for our customers. There's not, you know, when you're dealing with international customers, we don't want one region having a different experience from another region. So we have, um, director and VP level staff who are focused on process and consistency across the organization. And that, I think that that's reflecting very well for the customer experience for our customers. Well, Mark, I know our, our time is winding down. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with our audience in terms of what they should be looking out for? Um, I think there's a lot of technology coming down the pipeline that tends to be concerning for people. You know, they start to see Tesla with the humanoid robots and companies like Agility with humanoids, and they start to get a little bit worried because everybody remembers Boston Dynamics and how BD started out as a, a DARPA project, and you know they were going to have humanoids on the battlefield. Um, but we live, you know, probably in one of the most amazing times in history. You know, a hundred years ago, if you broke your leg, you know, if you did it really bad, they just shoot you and put you out of your misery. Um, but now, you know, you can they can fix just about anything. And so technology is, is very powerful. And I think that um, we still have, from a technology perspective, it's just a very exciting time. And I think that it's, um, I hope that people appreciate what happens behind the scenes to bring their products to them and, and all of the technology that's brought to bear. It, it's, it's fascinating. I, I find it a very fascinating industry end to end. Well, and I, I think it, it's, I completely agree with you that I think the technology is evolving and not necessarily in a negative way, right? People are always worried about what could or might happen. But that, that fear of the unknown to me is the, the desire for the possible. Uh, there's this really exciting uh, potential. That I don't think it's been fully realized yet for automation and robotics, not just in warehousing, but across industries. So uh, we will definitely continue to follow Adverb and you, Mark. So thank you again for your time. And uh, I definitely look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, my pleasure, Eugene. Thanks so much. And, um, uh, you know, 
look forward to the next chat. Thank you. Great. Great.